This week, Sophie Sheen joins the hosting team and does a really great job with three guests, Cherie Patterson, Jim Uncles, and Vanessa Ponzer. The third team, the umpires, hear about how they got started, what it's like umpiring at all levels, and what they'd like to change in the game. Welcome to the Camberwell Hockey Podcast. It's hard to get upset at the umpires when you have three friendly and articulate guests like this. Keep listening at the end, though, for a blooper. Sometimes the technology doesn't work as well as we hope. Hi, I'm Sophie Sheehan, and today we're talking all things umpiring with Cherie Patterson, better known as Pado, Jim Uncles, and Vanessa Ponza. Welcome, guys. Morning. Morning. Thanks, Sophie. Morning. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for coming along, or virtually, that is, during coronavirus. Um, so before we get into umpiring, I'd really like to know more about all of your history with Campbell. When did you come to Campbell and what does it mean for you to be part of the Campbell Hockey Club community? Pato, I might start with you because uh, you are the most experienced of the group. I'm glad you said experienced and not eldest or more seniors. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, yeah, so I was at Campbell probably in the late 80s as a player. Um, at that stage, the women's division was um, State League One rather than Premier League, and I was lucky enough to play in a very successful era with their uh, State League One, where we were fortunate enough to play in multiple series of finals, and that was my my starting at Camberwell back 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 way back then. Yeah, I've got to say I'm pretty jealous of all of that success that that State League um, team saw. I uh, would love to see that kind of success for the women now. It's been a while since a women's premiership. They're not that far off. They're not that far off the mark. So (laughs) good luck to all of you. And I hope they've enjoyed this downtime as a bit more recovery time and prep. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, I think that'd be great. Um, So, Jim, what about you? I'm, I'm sure you didn't really have a choice about playing hockey at Camberwell. Yeah, it was very much inside the family, the, um, the, the big hockey legacy is um, from our cousins, the other uncles, um, with uh, Pete and Steve uncles being leading the front and then which led into uh, Will and Ed. And uh, my, so I followed my brother. Tom is very similar age to Will. Um, and so Ed and I started playing, I think it's back in around 1996 or 97. And we started Minky together and uh, then went all the way through the juniors and went from there. Great. Yep. I think uh, probably everyone listening will know at least one uncle, if not uh, uncles, if not all of them. <laughs> um, and Vanessa, I, I've played with you over the last few years in seniors, but I actually don't know. When did you join the club? So I actually started playing hockey at um, Box Hill Hockey Club, so what's now known as KBH, and I moved to Camberwell. Um, start of the 2015 season, just for more playing opportunities. Um, Boxall had a fantastic club culture, but it was quite a small club and it didn't have many um, teams in, in the women's section especially. And then, yeah, I moved to Camberwell and within the first year was playing juniors, seniors and continued my umpiring journey from there. I definitely felt really welcome and included when I joined Um but yeah, it was a really big club in comparison to Box Hill. But it was interesting to see how everyone contributed and they really wanted to make Campbell um, as best as it could be. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it definitely um, feels like you've been at Campbell for a long time, not just five years, although that's probably quite a while um, now. 
Uh, and I'm really interested to know more about your lives outside of hockey and outside of umpiring. Uh, just quickly, can you tell me about, you know, what do you do for work or study, um, those kind of things? Jim, might start with you. So I work as a, I work as a podiatrist in a private practice in Camberwell. Um, and we, every time I'm away from the hockey season, I try and get down the beach and uh, do a bit of life-saving uh, with the Portie Surf Life-Saving Club and, yeah, just try and supplement my hockey as, as much as I can around it. And, but very much, a, very much a sporting background and love all things competitive. You keep yourself very busy, I know that. And Vanessa, what about you? Yeah, so at the moment I'm studying in my second year of uni, so I'm doing um, occupational therapy. And I'd say hockey and umpiring, it's a pretty big part of my um, life. But when I'm not umpiring, um, I do a bit of volunteering, especially for like, Cerebral Palsy Education Centre and help out with fundraising there and just, just try to relax when we're not in the hockey season. Yeah, it can be hard to do that. It feels like it goes almost the whole year these days. Long pre-season? Long pre-season, sort of before when you hit New Year, you're back at it again. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and what about you, Pato? Um, so I'm a fiery firefighter. I'm, a, I'm based at um, the Richmond Fire Station. So naturally, we're still um, busy working. Um, so it's shift work. So the hockey um, umpiring really works for me in that I'm not, if I can't make it work, I'm not letting down a team as such and just uh, make myself unavailable on the roster. Um, so apart from work, I also do a lot of school umpiring during the week, which fills in a lot of time because we've got probably four days off, four, four shifts on four, four days off. So the umpiring really does fill in a lot of time. And um, fitness work, of course, for hockey, but also for work takes up a bit of my time and that's, um, when I'm not there. And a bit of gardening, walking the dogs, that sort of stuff. So, But from a probably... November through to February, there's no hockey umpiring for me and it's just a time to um, soak up some relaxation, get the hammock out and basically chill out. I don't have the extended pre-season that you guys have as players. <laughs> that sounds nice. I think uh, you need that time away from hockey, right, to want to get back into it again. If it went for 12 months of the year, you would never get that. I definitely make myself unavailable for any summer hockey. It's just um, otherwise you become a bit stale. Yeah, exactly. Well said. Uh, so let's jump into all things umpiring, uh, what everyone's here to learn about, I guess. Um, so I want to start at the beginning, a bit of a um, double question here for everyone. How did you first get into umpiring and what made you decide to pursue it quite seriously? Um, I might start with you, Vanessa. Yeah, so I started um, umpiring when I was at Box Hill and um, they were trying to gra- gain more junior umpires and a few of my friends were participating um, and I thought I'd give it a go and at Box Hill I got my community cred. So that's your first, like your base level umpiring where you'd be umpiring like sort of under 12 level. And then after moving to Camberwell, um, I became aware of like the successful structured program that was, they had run by Daryl Clark, which was a junior umpire development program. Um, and I just started doing level one program and got my level one and was involved in a lot more um, tournament style competitions. So like the JSC um, and slowly worked my way up doing some more senior games. And I think at that same time was 
um, given the opportunity to go to nationals and just continually improve um, with Hockey Victoria programs and receiving coaching along the way. Um, I think my my reason to sort of continue, I think, just was quite an interest and I think I, I enjoyed doing it um, and I was always surprised at the the learning that umpiring can bring and there was always more to learn. Yeah, definitely. It's great to hear that Campwell sort of had that structured program. Um, I know Daryl does a lot of work with our umpires to, to get them to keep progressing um, and improving. So that's really great to hear that we were able to, as a club, help with that. It's really cool. Um, and Jim, obviously you've done some pretty amazing umpiring in recent years, international level. How did you first get into it? I first got into it. I'm, I still can't exactly remember what I was drawn about it. Maybe it was at the fact you got to blow a whistle and people look at you. I think I was a bit of an attention-seeking child. Um, but I actually started umpiring back in under-11s, um, just actually going straight in and umpiring some under-9s. And it wasn't until I umpired at this at the Reservoir uh, tournament, which was held every year, and I was noticed there by the late Headley Hull, who was a really important umpire assessor and coach, a Vic, uh, Hockey Victoria Life member. And he tapped me on the shoulder and introduced me, introduced himself. And he followed me quite closely at the very beginning. And he really just sort of pointed out that, you know, I had a, I had a knack for it. And I you know, continued playing hockey through my juniors and I was always umpiring at the same time and I made the decision very early on that I knew I was never going to make it as a player, but I had an opportunity as an umpire. And so through that and through good mentors at the time really helped make that decision that I, wa- I did want to pursue it and it's starting to pay off and I've, you know, we've, I'm sure we'll touch on it later, but been to some pretty incredible places and the way I see it, it's I'm also it's you work very hard to, to get to that international level, and then once you get there, it's like you start all over again, which is really interesting. That does sound really interesting. We'll, we'll touch on that definitely later, and also um, on your mentors because I'd really like to hear more about that. But first, Pato, what about you? Did you uh, start umpiring as a kid or get into it later? How did it work for you? Uh, definitely later. I would have been in my. Um say 20s I think and at the time there was no um, structured pathway for umpires the what we all had to do as a player I mean and I mean every player at the time had to sit an umpires exam prior to the season commencing it was just it was just status quo there was no exceptions so that sort of interested me although it was a chore for many others and we had some really decent women um, umpires at Campbell at the time I think we had Sue Howard and Wendy Napier um, Margot Halley uh, Catherine Mock Jan Devlin who were really um, umpiring at top club level and I sort of just got involved with that group Um, as I said there was no mentoring or coaching I was probably umpiring some lower grades and um just gradually progressed and through those sorts of grades you um, got tested at various stages and um, Robin Pascoe was someone who um, I can remember assessing me at various stages. So probably over a couple of years I came through the grades and um, ended up umpiring at, um, as I say, state state league level later. It's really interesting to hear all of your different points of view and different ways of coming through the ranks as an umpire. Jim, I wanted to 
jump back to what you said about having some really good mentors. Who have been some of your mentors over the years as an umpire and, and what have been some of the main pieces of advice that have really stuck with you that you've got from mentors throughout the years? A lot of my mentors, it, it really progresses all the way through. Um, so I did a lot of work with Headley initially, then that transformed into a lot of work with Anthony Trail and Tim John um, when I was coming through the state system as a junior. And then building into the Premier League, I started to go to some Hockey Australia tournaments and building up through there probably, um, and still to this day, uh, the biggest mentor for me uh, is Mickey McLean from Greensboro. He's our high-performance coach for Victoria. We still work quite closely together. I very much appreciate his input. We're also just mates as well, so I'm not afraid for him to tell me when I've, you know, he's quite brutal with me at times, which works for me. The brutal honesty is something that we've figured out works well for me and I can work with that. I'll remember that, Jim. (laughs) Well, yeah, that's it. You know, if you're trying to get more out of me, just tell me how it is. Um, (laughs) And now working through the national ranks, I'm doing a lot more work with uh, Murray Grime from Perth. Uh, Murray went to four Olympics uh, and retired as one of the best umpires in the world and very lucky to do some work with him and I'm really hoping that uh, once things get started up again and once world hockey keeps ticking over, get to do a bit more work and hopefully jump back over to Perth and do some work with him again. We're, we're very lucky as well to have one of the Olympic umpire managers uh, who's just down in Tasmania with Minka Woolley. Um, did my first tournament with Minka last year, which was incredible and uh, it's got a, she's got a really amazing knowledge base for hockey and but also uh, a lot of the mental preparedness that comes with it. I think the biggest, piece, the best piece of advice that's really stuck with me and it's, it's something that I've really worked on in the last couple of years has been really working on enjoyment. And at the end of the day, I'm going out there to have fun. I'm umpiring because I love it and I'm there to help the players and we're there to showcase hockey but when you take things too seriously, when you're um, not in the right frame of mind, it really comes out on the pitch and that affects your relationships with the players and your ability to read the game and facilitate good hockey. And so for me, the biggest piece of advice has actually been going out and enjoying it and just actually having fun with it. It's, it's a really it's a cool thing to be involved with. Absolutely. That's, I hadn't ever thought about that before, but you make such a good point. And I do often, when I've seen you umpiring, I see you having a, having a little laugh, you know, not inappropriately, but having a smile and a laugh. And when I've been playing, um, you know, Premier League and, you know, you really see the difference between umpires that um, they can really change the, the whole mood of the game. I think you're so right about that. When you have someone that maybe isn't in the best mood, it can actually cause the players to act in a certain way and it's so much nicer when you can have a bit of a laugh Um, because in the end although we're very competitive we're generally doing it for fun or for the social aspects as well so that's I've never thought about it that way but I really like that everyone's everyone's human and the um, one thing I've really enjoyed is then I've been very lucky to umpire teams that don't speak English and then how you build that rapport with someone who doesn't speak English but the one language you do speak is hockey. So, you know, you can still have a laugh and have a joke and 
that's yeah, that's really fun and it's quite enjoyable. Yeah, absolutely. And um, Pato, you said that you didn't have sort of any mentors necessarily while you were going through, uh, especially the beginnings of your umpiring. But Vanessa, you you know, you're a more I guess modern umpire, um, being quite young still. Did you have any mentors or people that were helping you to develop as an umpire? Yeah, I think there probably hasn't been one particular person that um, has been like a specific mentor, um, but there's definitely been many people um, that have umpire coached me and assisted with development, um, including like at Camberwell and then also um, at Hockey Australia tournaments and um, other tournaments I've been to. Um, Like both Pado and Jim, they've both umpire coached me at some point. um, And yeah, they've assisted me, I think, um, Pado's done quite a little bit um, when I was doing my level one program um, and just giving feedback. Um, and I think obviously the feedback changes as you move through your umpiring career, as you get more experience, you focus on different areas. Um, but I think for me, one of the things that has helped is um, sort of looking at what's important at the moment and what will get you to that next level. So some of working on um, overall might be whether you're positioning um, or particular management of players. Um, and I think as I move with a, with a bit more experience in umpiring, I think it's important to sort of narrow down a few more things which will um, increase my game in umpiring a lot more. Um, and I think there's definitely in Victoria been lots of um, female and male umpires which have um, been successful um, in umpiring and I think it does show that Victoria and people within Victoria have the ability to facilitate um, umpires to get to the next level in their games. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's good to hear and it might have been a little call out for, for a mentor. Um, it sounds like you've had some great coaching, but no, Jim, Pato, the the space is open for you. <laughs> um, that's really great to hear. Jim, I want to um, go back to what you were saying about, you know, getting to that next level with your umpiring. You have, well, for quite a while now, I suppose, uh, been umpiring at an international level, which is amazing. Congratulations. Uh, can you tell us more about what it was like to take that step from, I guess, local Australian um, umpiring and take that step to the international stage? Yeah, it was, it was a, very, a big life goal of mine. It's probably the biggest thing and something that we do very well here in Australia is that our top level, our Hockey One or former AHL, is very good. And it's, it's often said that the quality of Australian umpires is you could put the AHL panel on a champion's trophy and a lot of the time you would get a better umpiring performance. <laughs> and so it's, that's always been a, a bit of a joke in... Um, in the field but it it also speaks well on the quality of umpires that we can produce here in Australia and that next taking that next step was uh, it was quite daunting I still remember I kind of had two uh, two forays at a debut Um, first one was down in Hobart in 2015 uh, for an Australia there was a big series going on and so I did Australia A versus Korea and Australia A versus Pakistan um, and I still remember the first first day being really nervous going out in the field, 
And then my official debut was later that year in Stratford in New Zealand for the Oceania Cup. The biggest thing is that the game doesn't change. It's how you manage the players. And that is very much something we deal with at a top level here in in Victoria and Australia. The game at an international level very much umpires itself a lot of the time. It's how you manage the players and how you manage their emotions which contributes to the game. You know, you having to do all that, it's very much expected that things like your positioning, your fitness, everything is in check so that everything you're doing is actually just managing the players rather than more specific looking at particular rules or or anything like that. Right, yeah. So obviously, you know, you know, you're pretty confident that you know all the rules very well. So I guess, what what do you mean when you say managing the players? What would you be focusing on doing at that international level? Like, are you going in to try to, do you have a plan when you're going into each game? You know, Australia versus New Zealand, so I, I need to manage this particular thing? Or is it, um, you know, just in general, always just managing players in the same way? Every game is different. And Ensuring you have a good plan set out with your colleague to make sure you get a really good outcome is is vital. At the end of the day, the umpires are the third team. We're not there as individuals. We are there as a team to work together to get a, a really good a, get a really good game of hockey. You would always approach different teams, you know, with you with different approaches. And so, for example, a lot of the Asian teams, like your India, Malaysia. They're very skillful. They'll play a lot more individual skills. You're actually going to hold off on your whistle just for that little bit longer because they've got the skills to break through a scenario, to break through a tackle um, and create an exciting opportunity. Um, Whereas your more Australian, New Zealand teams will be very much build up and they might actually do a lot better with a quick free hit, something where once the whistle's blown, obviously the next player can't actually tackle at that moment for that five-metre area, and they can really capitalise on that. And so trying to find the, the right management style is um, is something that you pick up over time and you're always adapting and always learning, and by no means do I have it right, and it's always something that we're working on, and you know, it's one of the great challenges that comes with the game. Yeah, that's that's so interesting. I'd never thought about the fact that you would manage sort of free hits differently for different teams. Because you know, you do hear players complaining all the time about, oh, I didn't get advantage. Oh, they should should have stopped it at this point. I'd sort of never thought about the fact that, yeah, different people would kind of want different things and they would benefit them in different ways. Really, really interesting. Um, you said there about being part of a team, the third team on the field, and um, that's that's. A really good way of looking at it. And Pato, I know that you have gone away, or I believe you've gone away um, with Masters competitions, like the Australian Masters and that kind of thing. Do you, when you go away with an umpiring group, see yourself as a bit of a team? Do you act as a team when you're away on a tournament? Do you really like it? Is it a bit of a family? Can you tell me a bit what it's like to go away on a tournament as an umpire? Yeah, definitely. Um, so the Masters are a little different to other tournaments in that they have s- some reasonably large umpiring numbers, probably somewhere in the women's between uh, probably 20 to 30 umpires, depends on where and when. And so it is a team, it's very cohesive. The Masters, again, it's a little different again because you've got a variety of 
age groups from over 35s up to over 70. So like Jim was saying, you do tend to manage um, different age groups at different um, levels of umpiring. You know, your over 60s aren't really going to be wanting to um, have that much advantage where your over 35s will want all the advantage you can give them. But, yeah, definitely a team environment, um, very supportive. You've got a different range of experiences and ages in within that umpiring cohort. Um, and so those that have been around a little bit longer, like myself, tend to have a little bit of a, a leadership um, role in that in amongst that group as well. And it's, um, it's a developing group. Um, there's some that have been around for a while. There's some that have just come on board. So particularly at the Masters tournament, it, it's it's probably the first step from um, before they start getting into some of the age groups, national age groups, and it's really about developing, giving some of those younger umpires some confidence. How do you develop confidence when obviously everyone um, as an umpire is kind of watching you and watching what you do and your um, calls and your errors? You know, how do you deal with, making mistakes as an umpire how do you deal with um, the potential criticism that follows mistakes and how do yeah how do you deal with that how do I'll go to you again yeah well we we as umpires know we're only going to be 50% right because <laughs> the other 50% from the opposition are going to hate the decision but um it's i think it's about focusing on the task at hand and we do make mistakes we we're, we're not um, we are human but we're got to switch switch off from that mistake and switch back onto the task we're at because within a matter of moments there's going to be another decision that needs to be made and it needs to be made correctly so I don't know about others but I'm pretty good at not hearing the abuse uh, or getting on and ignoring the abuse so that's something that I think that we sort of end up telling our younger and um, upcoming umpires that it's the next decision that's the really important one the one that that's perhaps error made an error on we can we can't fix that Um, move on and if you've got your umpires coaches or or your half-time break with your co-umpire you can have a chat about it at that stage you know I know I made that error or I could have done this better but um, it's an evolving game for us as well as well as the players so um, yeah it's moving on refocus and get going again if you yeah if you dwell on it I guess you're going to mix miss miss the next decision yeah it's a really good point I think um, all players need to spend a little bit more time umpiring I know I umpired quite a few games um, maybe a couple of seasons ago and it gave me a newfound appreciation for how hard it is and how hard it is to, you know, keep focused the entire time on what's happening and, yeah, as you say, not dwell on what you could have done better or, or what you might have missed. Um, yeah, I think everyone could, could use some of that empathy there. Vanessa, how do you find it, you know, uh, you would probably umpire quite a lot of people you know. How do you find umpiring people you know and friends, is that hard? I think um, I found it really good when I moved to um, to Camberwell because I'd come from such a small club. I didn't actually know that many people within the hockey community, so it was quite neutral if I was umpiring Camberwell. But obviously, as I've got to know people, um, you're, almost, you're a bit more, I think, when you're umpiring, you probably question your decisions a lot more if it's against someone you know or against a team um, which you're quite friendly with because you just think I don't want to make that decision and in some ways if you think like that you probably um, might give a lot of calls against the other way just because you're guess second guessing yourself a lot um, but I think I'm I find that I can be quite impartial and just you know I'm just calling what I can see um, and 
I think obviously when you're in um, high-pressure games where they're quite important, for example, finals um, and grand finals, those sorts of things, you, you do feel a lot more pressure if you know someone. Um, but then again, it can be quite a bit of fun if the people you're friendly with, they sort of got a lighthearted attitude about it. Um, and that can, can be quite enjoyable because you're sharing in their moment um, of winning or losing and you're part of the game and you can facilitate their enjoyment of playing hockey. So I think it really depends on, on the game and the level which you're umpiring it, but there definitely are challenges um, in umpiring particular um, friends or, or clubs. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And Jim, you have obviously umpired, um, I guess, quite a few well-known hockey players. Uh, there, is there anyone that you, you really love to umpire that's, you know, brings something good to the game, really enjoy? I was, I was thinking about asking if there's anyone you really don't like to umpire, but I think I'll leave that one and just stick to, <laughs> stick to love. Uh, absolutely. There's, I've got a couple of favourites, um, both at home and abroad. I think umpires and also me being a goalkeeper, we have that nice relationship, umpires and goalkeepers. One from a professional point of view that if you can have a good relationship with your goalkeeper, it means that they're going to actually make sure like their defensive unit's ready for a penalty corner and those kind of things. And we're always like that one person standing out, so you can always have a good joke about that. And there's a couple of very funny goalkeepers around, that's for sure. <laughs> I think we all know that. <laughs> yes, that's that's true. We're all quirky. Um, I think... It's, I, I feel like it's a bit of a cliche, but what, someone who I really enjoy umpiring is, and it's purely from a, it's, he's just amazing to watch, is Eddie Ockenden. You just kind of watch in awe a lot of the time of what he's able to do on the field. But it's also, it's important from an umpiring point of view is he has that ability to just create that little bit extra and you, you might need to hold your whistle or, or think about it a little bit differently with him because he has the ability to do um, something really special. And, yeah, I've been lucky enough to umpire some pretty world-class players and that also have that same aura around them. So um, someone like Asada Singh from India as well, I've umpired him a couple of times and, yeah, it was very impressive. But at the same time, it's, you know, he's he's also got a really, he's really quite uh, jovial as well and his English is excellent. You were talking about how you know, you ask a goalie and you play um, in our Canada team, I think usually winning an obscene number of uh, flags over the years. Do you find yourself sometimes getting angry at umpires when you are playing? Like, do, or do you, are you able to completely understand because you're an umpire that people make mistakes and so you're able to forgive pretty quickly? Or how does it feel when you're on the other side as a player? It's a really funny one. I It can be incredibly frustrating, but at the same time, I know how hard it is and I'm also so appreciative of them, of the umpire giving up their, their time to come down and umpire the game. This might be a little off cuff, but a couple of years ago, I remember it was a very, it was a crux game in Pennant B and I think we needed to win um, to make finals and uh, there was a particular incident which I just saw me lose my call to a 
at an umpire, which I completely regretted after the game where I remember I was sitting sitting in my car at Elgar Park and I didn't drive anywhere for 10 minutes because I just thought to myself, there is no way I can ever speak to an umpire like that ever again. Since that day, I've kind of stuck to that. I want to make sure that I'm not that person. Um, also, because I know that you know it has the ability, it has flow on effects, it might impact me getting another opportunity or um, you know, we are leaders within the community. So you want to make sure that you are doing the right things. It's just having that pride to swallow it and just understand the decision and, and move on with it. You know, occasionally I'll ask the creative question, which will get the umpire's mind ticking over. But uh, outside of that, I'm, I've made a really big focus personally that I don't want to be that person anymore. And it's, it is really hard. Unfortunately, that's that's a bit of a curse of the umpire is that the further up you go, the further invested you are in it and then it makes you want to uh, bite back, but you've got to be able to swallow it and move on. Absolutely. Uh, that shows a lot of maturity. Thank you for sharing that. I think it's you know so important to remember that everyone's human and you know, if you are potentially mean or say something that you wouldn't normally say, you know, it could ruin someone's day. You don't want to do that. Where no, no one wants to make someone else feel bad, or you might in a split second, but you don't generally. No, so not that's at all. Not yeah, at all. it's it's a yeah really good way of looking at it. I think. Um, thank you for that, Hado. What would you say is your favourite part about umpiring? Uh, well, for me, as a now non-player, it truly keeps me in the loop with a group of very like-minded people. So. Um, you know, when I uh, end up umpiring the occasional match at Camberwell, I know I'm going to get a warm reception back with that group of players. Um, but just as a whole, the umpiring does really just keep me in touch with what's going on there. And, you know, they're people that you've known or I've known for many, 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 many years. Um, and to see them, whether it's once a season, a couple of times a season, um, it just it just really um, it encouraged me to come back year after year. So otherwise I'd be completely out of the loop of hockey, um, not knowing what's going on at club level um, and, and losing contact with a lot of um, friends over that time. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we love having you around. You always umpire a um, pre-season game for us usually and – it's probably the, I don't want to say the best umpiring we have all year. Could be. That's what Jim said too before, or might have been Vanessa actually, that, you know, when I do end up umpiring at, at Campbell, it's probably one of the harder jobs that I have for the year because I end up either one of two things happen. I end up watching them thinking, go girls, get that, you get that, get that, get that. <laughs> or those 50-50 decisions inevitably go against tangerine and blue and it's just um, perhaps what Vanessa was saying before you really don't want to show any any um, bias so it, it is a tough gig to operate when you're um, uh, umpiring Campbell girls <laughs> yeah. yeah absolutely I always think it's funny when supporters go oh that umpires from the same club they're being biased I'm like if anything they're being biased the other way because they don't want to look biased <laughs> it's yeah, it's such a funny um, yeah, outlook. Um, Vanessa, can you tell us about your favourite part about umpiring or maybe a memorable match or tournament? You know, what's been your favourite memory you have 
your umpiring career so far? Definitely for me, the opportunity to like continue learning. And I think um, when you when I was able to go to like Hockey Australia tournaments, um, it's really exciting because it was when I first went there, you know, it's the first time um, that you see that there's so much support devoted to umpiring and there's like a group of 10 other people that are trying to continue their umpiring pathway and have similar interests. I think for me probably a time I really enjoyed was at Campbell. There was a stage in our um, juniors under-16 team where there was four of us, um, four girls that had their level one umpiring accreditation and we were all working towards getting that at one point. Um, And it was really exciting because we were able to share each other's journey while also playing each week. And then three of us went off to um, under-13 nationals together um, and it was really special to have each of us where we've been a part of um, umpiring at Camwell together and with Hockey Victoria and then to head over an umpire in Perth. Um, and I think just being able to know that you've shared similar experiences um, and then where you can progress from there as a group um, is really special. I think especially from one club um, is really important. Yeah, absolutely. It's so great what we've got at Camwell in terms of an umpiring Community, uh, and you're all doing so well. Um, can I ask, and I might start with Jim, what is one thing that you would change about umpiring or, you know, uh, the progression of umpires or anything in the umpiring world? What would you change if you could? I think it would, it would be somehow amazing and also impossible um, if we could create more opportunities um, more opportunities for our umpires to progress um, and to test their skills at that next level. Um, Unfortunately, the way the system is structured and it's just the way hockey is as a sport, um, we are bound by the number of opportunities that we actually have to give and, you know, to uh, whether that be tournaments or, you know, just, test matches or anything of the like, somehow, you know, magically getting a whole lot more money into hockey so that there could be more tournaments or if we're traveling more often um, to create that opportunity to make sure that we're progressing more more people at once, unfortunately, and there, it becomes a bottleneck scenario um, very much that we have a whole lot of umpires that are channeling into very few opportunities and if somehow we could widen the neck of the bottle that would be amazing um but unfortunately we are bound by what how hockey is in australia and also in oceania and around the world so you know it's if there was one thing i could change it would be that um but you know what it it is what it is and it just means you you have to work harder and to make sure that and when you do get an opportunity that you grab it with both hands and you make sure that uh, you don't you don't let it get past you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for that. Hado, is there anything that you would change about umpiring hockey if you could? Well, I like um, Jim's point. It's probably whilst it's disappointing that there are limited opportunities, it's great to know that there are so many umpires who are at that level where they are challenging the few opportunities that are there. But my side takes a different 
um, tact in that I'd like to see them stop changing the rules for a while because I think everybody... <laughs> <laughs> Yep, I get that. <laughs> yeah, as players also, I'm sure they all would agree, but there was a time where it seemed there was a rule change every end of every season. And I know this year there's none because of the, um, the Olympics, but I think they've got the game to where it is... Um, spectator it's worth you know i know they're trying to evolve it all the time for spectators for spectator sport and tv i think they've got it to a stage now where they just need to leave it alone for a few years let it um it just evolve at, at where it is and stop stop changing the rules because whilst it's confusing for the umpires i'm sure it's super confusing and doubly confusing for the players because they've heard variations and some are playing with preconceived ideas from previous seasons and it just gets terribly terribly messy so I leave the game alive for a bit yep yeah that's a it's a good point you kind of forget about those rule changes after a while I remember I played with someone recent or probably not that recently but uh, I guess probably a few months ago that hadn't played hockey in a while and they came back and tried to take a long corner from that old long corner spot in the corner (laughs) And I was like, oh, yeah, that was a rule not that long ago. <laughs> I completely forgot that that changed because, you know, you just get so used to it. Um, but it must be so hard for, for umpires, yeah. Um, Let's play with what we got. <laughs> absolutely. Vanessa, is there anything that you would change in your um, career? I think um, I definitely agree with, with Jim and Pato, especially about the opportunities from a from a junior level. It would be great to increase those. However, I think... There's definitely a culture um, around umpires from people that don't umpire and possibly like the lack of respect. Um, and I, I know many people that have stopped umpiring due to negative um, interactions with players, spectators or coaches. And I think um, those attitudes have a, have a big impact, but people don't really realise that. Um, and from my experience umpiring, I think there's, um, especially when as a junior sort of umpire there's a bit of an attitude towards I think female umpires and maybe young female umpires that there's a lack of knowledge or lack of skill to umpire effectively and you can sort of see that when you step out onto the field um, people make assumptions about your your quality of umpiring without um, giving you a go within the first couple of minutes and I think that that's probably for something for people to consider with umpires in general, just to wait and wait and see how they go before you start making comments um, about them. Um, I think there's definitely other in other codes of sport where this is an issue um, around umpires and negative um, negative attitudes towards them. But I think yeah, just having a bit more understanding that you know umpires just go out there to do the best they can and just trying to facilitate a game. Um, Everyone's just trying to do the best. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. We wouldn't have a game without umpires, would we? Or it would be uh, not a very good one, I guess you <laughs> yeah. would say. I, th- I think Des makes a really good point there. And unfortunately, the way the world is at the moment and it's so much easier to get hockey footage and things on social media, unfortunately, Ness is absolutely right. We're losing umpires to the game due to that lack of respect um, and, it, you know, there's actually incidents of um, online bullying and all those kind of things and abuse that are still happening um, that is just creating such a negative impact and unfortunately I think it, a lot of it from an Australian point of view comes from 
the culture of going down to the MCG with your family and then you go and berate the umpire, um, that's really common. And so, you know, people don't feel it's the, there's not that same level of I, I think it's my right that I get to yell at an umpire as even as a spectator. Um, and that's, you know, that does turn a lot of people away. And, you know, unfortunately, well, fortunately, like we're in it, Victoria's in a really good place now where the framework that we've got um, promoting our umpires is working really well. And we can see that by the number of umpires getting opportunities. But at the same time, we're also losing and at risk of losing more if the culture around it doesn't change. I think in especially in the juniors section, obviously junior um, games, you've got sort of younger umpires. And just from over the last like four years or so, I've noticed that there's definitely like increase in defiance from players and spectators about umpires. And I feel like they think they've got the right to um, rebut decisions, which may be controversial rather than sort of, you know, making a comment and accepting it and moving on. Um, and I just find that really surprising from, you know, players 13, 14. And it's sort of like, where have they learnt this behaviour from? And even, you know, you see some coaches encouraging that behaviour and suggesting, you know, that's not appropriate, what the umpire's done, don't worry about that. That's, they're just poor at umpiring. And it's just suggesting, well, if that's what they're saying to players, we're not really making an attempt to change that culture. Um, and it's just poor to see that from, from a junior level because that'll move through as they play seniors and go on. And from a world-level perspective, that's been happening for a while and that's why one of the big um, rule changes has come in um, or direction around crowding the umpire. Um, crowding was becoming such a unfortunate part of the game. You look at any kind of pre- um, Premier League football, um, you know, any soccer match, and they always crowd the referee, and it's just they're not really doing anything about it. Whereas in hockey now, that was starting to happen, and there's there's a direct line that if you are crowding the umpire, you can ask them to move away. You'll speak to just one person. And then if that if a second player comes in, it's an automatic green card. And that's straight away to remove that crowding, remove that um, that image of people crowding the umpire in hockey and thinking that that's okay. And that's why these things are coming in, to try and protect that image. We don't want that to be the image in hockey. And as that starts to flow down, hopefully that will change at the junior level. Um but it does take time and we just need to make sure that we've got other things working at the same time to, um, to protect our umpires and to keep them interested. Absolutely. It's, it's honestly so disappointing to hear that that has potentially gotten worse. Um, from my perspective, I would have thought that it had gotten better, but maybe that's um, my attitude towards umpires changing and improving over the years. Uh, but yeah, I'm so disappointed to hear that, but glad to hear that also hockey does have those rules and regulations coming in to protect umpires. I remember um, a couple of years ago when I was coaching under 14s, um, the other team were so rude to the umpire who was practically the same age as them that um, the umpire left quite distraught. And we made an effort to go and thank them for the game and say that they did well and all of that. But I think it really does start at juniors, right? That attitude towards 
umpires, us as coaches and um, parents need to be showing our young junior players what is how, like what is the right way to treat an umpire and it's obviously with respect and um you know thanking them for allowing you to have a good game and a fun game and yeah i think some some clubs potentially don't have that attitude and i'm really thankful to play at Campbell because i think in general obviously that we've got some slip ups in general we try to have a good attitude towards umpires um, so just um, before we before we wrap up, I wanted to quickly touch on Jim. You spoke about video being a big part of why some umpires potentially stop umpiring. Uh, now that so many games are filmed, do you find that leads to extra extra pressure? And do you ever you know go back after a game and and watch it and see mistakes? And how do you kind of deal with that? And how do you improve on anything that you see? Is it is it more stressful now that so many games are filmed? I feel initially it's quite stressful, um, but it's very it's very much something that you get used to, and you it just makes you realise it's still a game of hockey. Nothing has changed in that regard, um, and I know that's been a very important mental tool for for me. Um, doesn't matter, you know, most games. Are filmed in some capacity and you you can use that to your advantage. I'm very much a visual learner. Um, I learn really well from looking at footage. Um, so if I know my game's recorded, if it's easily accessible, I'll always make sure I watch it back at a tournament. I'll always go back and watch key areas that I want to go over and see is if there is a mistake, why did I get that wrong? Was I am I in the right position? is the reason that I made this mistake coming from five minutes beforehand where I've, you know, I may have been in a different position or playing catch up or let something go that has actually then led to something else happening. I feel that it can be stressful to some umpires, but learning to live with it um, is an important part of modern hockey. And at the end of the day, we want hockey to be a great sport and you've got to get used to the cameras being around because that's how the word's going to get out. Um, I know when I umpired my first tournament with video referrals um, over in Malaysia and it was terrifying. Um, I remember uh, having to draw having to draw the square and send it upstairs for the first time. I was uh, just absolutely packing it in um and <laughs> do you remember what the result was for that first referral i do i do i got it right which was a huge win <laughs> <laughs> how good does that feel you give a, you give a fist pump you give a fist pump <laughs> i did i did uh an internal one um but uh you know I've, but there's to go with that there's if that's coming back and you know, even if it's something you're watching back and go, oh, yes, I did get it wrong. It's not what you get it wrong. It's how you learn. How do you make sure that you can you can avoid that mistake in the future? I think it's a really important tool, but you want to make sure you frame it in the right way. We're going to get things wrong, but let's try and be, let's try and keep doing what we can to get better. Yeah, absolutely. Good advice. And um, this will be my last question. So come up with something good. This is to everyone. Um, I'm wondering what is your number one piece of advice for a young or less experienced umpire of any age 
Um, and Jim, you can't use any of the advice you've used so far. <laughs> okay. Okay. We'll start with Pado. Oh, well, I'd probably say to the less experienced and umpires that to, just to get a, a handle, a really good handle on the rules because uh, so often we're umpiring um, and we've interpreted the rules differently from each other. Um, but And it shouldn't be that difficult to get on the same page, but for some reason it, it, it is. Um, so get a really good understanding of them and also the interpretations of them because um, I think there's that's where the discrepancies come into it. Um, once you've got that, I think your management and, and the rest of it seems will seem to flow a lot better. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, a lot of players could probably understand the rules a little bit better as well. I think they understand a lot of the rules. <laughs> I know. It's always funny having those conversations on the field when a player complains and you go, I don't think you know that rule very well. <laughs> um, yeah, thank you for that. Vanessa, what would your number one piece of advice be? I think um, what I say to a lot of the, the junior umpires at Campbell and they're first starting off is it's a big step to to say you're interested in umpiring and that's that's the first step. So I think give it a go. It's not something that everybody wants to continue for two plus years. They might just want to try it for one year. Um, but engaging with umpiring, it, it'll give you a greater understanding of what umpires do and it will assist you with your, your playing game as well. So I think um, just giving it a go and just trying your best with it um, – and you will make mistakes and there'll be times where you feel uncomfortable and don't might not enjoy the umpiring, but there's obviously great rewards when you're learning and you're succeeding um, in able to umpire. And it's definitely something that will give you a greater appreciation of umpires. And there's some great supports, especially at Campbell. Um, so, yeah, just give it a go and see what happens. Absolutely. like that. Just give it a go. Thank you. And, Jim? Lucky last, what's your number one piece of advice that you have not given so far? Well, I guess you've taken that one right out of my mouth, uh, but that's okay. Um, I'll, I'll go with more of a practical tip, um, which would be really work hard to get your positioning right in the circle because at the end of the day, games are won and lost due to what happens inside the circle. And so if you can make really good position there, um, we can get the most important decisions. We can try and get the most important decisions correctly. Yeah, great. I think that's a good one that a lot of players will be happy to hear. <laughs> get it right for us to score goals and save goals, please. <laughs> that's it. Great. Well, thank you so much, um, all of you, Pato, Jim, Vanessa, for coming and uh, regaling us with your stories of umpiring and um, giving us, I think, a newfound appreciation for umpires. Uh, thank you so much, and um, I hope to see you all soon, post-corona, down at the club. Thanks, so. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Vanessa, have we lost you? She has gone she's blank on my screen. Yes, she's greyed out. That is not ideal. <laughs> oh, Steve, what? She's written a note down the bottom. Have just lost oh. the audio. Can't hear so for Jim. Oh, can you guys? I mean, Pado I can hear Jim, obviously. Pado, can you hear us? Has um, Sophie and Jim gone? Oh, where? Yes, so yes. You can't hear us. I, my... No, I can't hear. Her. Can I you can hear, hear her? Vanessa, go ahead, Vanessa. Hello, hello, hello. 
Yeah, she's definitely on my line. That's so weird. See, um, um, so Vanessa, maybe, can, if Pato, like can you tell Vanessa <laughs> to um, maybe try to exit and, oh, I guess exit and come back? I can't think of a better thing to do. Can yeah. you, Jim? <laughs> no, I would say that would be the best thing to do. Right, Vanessa, <laughs> um, the question is that if you exit and come and rejoin, if you can, because neither, yeah, sure. um, neither Jim nor Sophie can hear you. Yeah. There's a little uh, there's a little chat function down below as well. We can use. Yeah, oh, uh, that's true. <laughs> I uh, yes, I am reading the chat. I just decided not to type in it for some reason. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, Vanessa looks like yes, she's coming back. Both Sophie and Vanessa, Jim, can you hear like, us? Like white white out, like it wasn't recording, but then I could still um, see Pado's line going. So probably my connection. <laughs> That's so strange. Well, yep, you're back and we can hear you. Your recording is weirdly going in the opposite direction to everyone else's, which is freaking me out a little bit. <laughs> Do you see that, Jim? Anyway, I'm going to ignore that. Forward and we're, always, we're all going backwards in life. So that's, that's, that's exactly <laughs> what do they say. Your stel- cells start dying at 25. Vanessa, you haven't reached that yet, but the rest <laughs> of us <laughs> I'm dead. <laughs> um, well, Steve or Hamish, whoever's editing this, uh, I think leave it in, probably been the best part of the podcast so far. 